justified rather than the other, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Secret in a quiet place, in the stillness you are there, in the secret, in the quiet hour I wait only for you, cause I want to know you more. to know you. I want to hear your voice. I want to know you more. I want to touch you. I want to see your face. I want to know you every hindrance aside out of my way cause I want to know you touch you. I want to see your face. I want to know you more. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
sing this my plea nothing but the blood of Jesus oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no is all my hope and peace, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow whether we are doing what is right or whether we are not. And Lord, we give you abundant thanks and praise. Bless us, be with us, bless the words of our mouth and the thoughts of our minds. May all that we do and all that we say be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. So if we look at that first verse that I read to you today from verse 9, it's part of the reason why I love the Gospel of Luke, why it's my favorite gospel. I'll tell you that when I get to heaven, one of the first people that I want to meet is Luke. I really hope God can arrange that because I am I just I love the, the Gospel of Luke. I love the book of Acts. And so I really do one day want to meet this author face to face because he and I need to be best friends. Um, but anyways... When we're in heaven, I'm going to arrange that, I hope. But if you look at the first verse that we read today, it is, it's one that Luke just, he does such a great job doing this. Luke's setting up the whole entire situation, helping us to visualize what it is that we're reading so that we can really understand what's going on. We know that Jesus is telling a parable. We know that Jesus told parables. We know that normally he had crowds of people who were just following him around, listening to him, sitting in front of him as he told these parables. Other times, maybe he had his disciples and just a smaller group, but Luke wants to make sure that we understand exactly what's going on in this situation. So Luke paints a nice picture for us when he says that Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. So here we have Jesus is telling this parable in front of a group of people who consider themselves righteous, which means they followed all of the laws that they were supposed to follow, and they judged other people. They viewed others with contempt. Who do you think those people were? The Pharisees, exactly. So just so we understand exactly what's going on, Jesus is telling this parable that we just read in front of who? Pharisees. Now, I'm going to tell you, here's where Jesus and I really differ. 
uh, he's good at this and he's right. I'm just saying I'm no Jesus. Because here's me with conflict. I don't know if any of you guys like conflict. If you've ever done your conflict style, I'm a turtle when it comes to conflict. Do you know what that means? That means that if there is a situation in conflict, if it's somebody else's conflict and I have to step in and mediate, I can do it. But if it's conflict, including me, I will literally curl up into a ball. I'm what's called a turtle. I will hide away and try to get into my own little non-existent shell and hide away until everything bad goes away. Me, conflict, we don't go hand in hand. But Jesus, oh my Jesus, Jesus stood there and told this parable that we just read in front of a group of Pharisees. And did you get what this what this parable was? What that we just I'm even I'm just gonna read it again, just just so maybe you can get even more out of it without me telling the story. Just listen to this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other's a tax collector. Nobody liked tax collectors. Tax collectors always took more than they were supposed to. So one's a Pharisee who's all self-righteous. I follow all the laws. I do everything I'm supposed to. I made righteous on my own. That's what they thought, at least. You know, and the other one was a tax collector. And the Pharisee, standing by himself, starts praying, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. In other words, God, I am so wonderful. I'm so amazing. I'm not like those thieves and rogues and adulterers or even this tax collector right over here. That's what this parable paints this Pharisee as. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all of my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He's confessing his sins. This tax collector is no law-abiding Pharisee. He's not able to do everything on his own, but he comes to God brokenhearted and confessing that he has sinned, that he has done wrong, and he turns to God. And Jesus says that it's the tax collector who goes home justified, not the Pharisee. That means it's the tax collector who is forgiven of his sins, while the Pharisee, he doesn't even think he needs any forgiveness because he's all right on, on his own. The Pharisee is the one, he thinks that he knows everything. He thinks he studied the law inside and out. The Pharisee thinks that he is righteous all on his own because he does everything that he's supposed to do. He's not like those other sinful people, those other people unlike him. And I, Jesus says that it's the tax collector who's forgiven. Well, the Pharisee didn't even ask for forgiveness, so of course the Pharisee is not forgiven. But Jesus tells, this is just, if you picture it, as, are you guys picturing this with me in, in your head? Just picture how much tension must have been in that place. That whole entire, I'm sure they were outside, but it must have been tension so thick that you could cut it with a knife. I mean, that's exactly why I'm a turtle and I curl up in a ball. Jesus had the courage to go out there and to do these things. I do not have that kind of courage, but, but Jesus did. But he tells this parable right in the face of the Pharisees, which must have, I only hope that it could have possibly made some of the Pharisees open up their eyes to their hypocrisy. But the reality is that there's always, always has been, always will been people that are holier than thou. There always have been and always will be people who think that they are so righteous and all the rest of us people, we have it all wrong. Now, I'll tell you this week, it was a busy week. I had three funerals and 
and a burial and so it was kind of busy and with all that busyness I decided that I needed to take some time to stop and to listen to a couple sermons from from other people I needed a message I needed to hear some some word of hope and so first I listened to a, a message from a local pastor not a pastor that I have ever listened to before I've heard good things about this pastor not in our denomination but I was like oh well, I'll listen to I'll listen to this I'll check out this pastor however it came, became quite evident that that this pastor is one of those pastors that everything is black and white you're either with him or you're against him you're either on the right side or you're on the wrong side you're either doing things that he says is what it means to follow Christ or you're doing those other things and then you are a sinner and I, I was listening to this and I realized it left me with a feeling with a pit in my stomach you know those feelings where it's like well now I just feel like absolute trash this did not help me at all it's like I came to listen to a sermon and, and to, to pick myself up. You know, a lot going on this week. I, I wanted to make sure that I was rooted in, in the gospel, that I was rooted in what mattered. And so that was preacher number one. <laughs> that one didn't do it for me, so I needed to keep listening. So instead, I went to go uh, listen to one of my favorite preachers, and his name's Adam Hamilton. And even my husband knows this, that I have a pastor crush on him. That's not a romantic crush. It means that I just absolutely love him and I could listen to him teach, you know, all the time. He's absolutely wonderful. Adam Hamilton's the pastor of the United Methodist Church, the Church of the Resurrection in Kansas. He took a church when he was 25 years old that had 125 people in it and he turned it into a mega church that makes the chapel look small and a multi, you know, thousands of people, multi sites. And as if that wasn't enough, they also started a seminary on that campus. You can see why I like this pastor pastor so much but I've also met him and he is so good and so down to earth and and so honest and everything that their church puts out they always say you can take these resources and use them as your own I mean it's it's wonderful so I so I really like Adam Hamilton and I'm going a little bit off topic by telling you how much I like Adam Hamilton but here's the thing. So you have Adam Hamilton, who has, I mean, been as successful as a minister can be. I mean, absolutely. Look at all that he's done. And yet he is still humble and he's still down to earth. And in his sermon that I was listening to the, to the other day, he's still confessing his imperfections. He's still talking about the ways that he's not doing things all right. He brought up a conversation that he had with, a, with his wife. And he's still able to be real and to be honest about the reality that, that living as a Christian is not the easiest thing to do and that sometimes we get distracted and sometimes we get swayed here or there and that it's not like it's the easiest thing to do and in that sermon to me was so uplifting and I thought about it I listened to these two different sermons one that was completely black and white and left me feeling like I had a pit in my stomach and I really hope I never do that to you guys by the way uh, but made me feel like I had a pit in my stomach and the other one was honest and real and gave me something to work on and challenged me and what made me want to be a better more faithful Christian and I started to think about how there are always people who are holier than thou in the world in this world there are always people who think that they know everything it is black and white it is their way or the highway there are always have been and always will be people just like that anybody know someone like that by the way a couple of us yeah, and by the way, they're not usually that much fun to be around, but there are always people like that. There always have been and there always will be, but that's not what we suppo we're supposed to be like. I mean, if you think I love, Sue is so good at choosing these hymns. She doesn't know, I didn't know that this would mean so much, but the fact that she chose Micah chapter 6 verse 8 for one of the hymns, 
I mean, this is going all the way back to the prophet Micah, when the prophet Micah is able to, to tell the people, when the people are like, well, what should I do? Should I sacrifice all these lambs? Should I sacrifice my firstborn child? What should I do to appease God? And that's when, it, when Micah, the prophet, is like, what does the Lord require of you? Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. It's not that hard. Do those things, and that's all that really matters. But instead, they're trying to do all of these other things. And then the Pharisees get a hold of all the law, and the Pharisees start to to act like those Pharisees did, and they start to think that they have everything right and everybody else has everything wrong until Jesus comes along and tells this parable to remind them that, that even if you think you know everything, maybe you don't. I actually found this African proverb uh, that I really love. It's this proverb, and, and this aligns with some of our proverbs from the book of Proverbs, but I love this. A wise man never knows all, only fools know everything. We have similar proverbs in the book of our proverbs. And then I was thinking about our younger folks, especially in the first service, so I wanted to find them a proverb that works for them. So I found a meme. <laughs> <clears throat> What if I told you that people who claim to know everything really don't? <laughs> That's basically what Jesus was telling the Pharisees. So you think you know everything. You think you have everything figured out. But I'm here to tell you that actually you're not really correct. Really, you actually don't have everything fully understood. And Paul, by the way, who was a Pharisee, Saul and turned into Paul, he's one where he was raised in the tradition where he was told that he was studying everything and he knew everything and it was his job to instruct and to judge people to make sure that they were doing everything right. And then when Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and he writes so many wonderful letters, but when he's writing to the church in Corinth and he's trying to tell them how to all get along and how to understand what's right and how to make sure that they're living lives that matter the most, he starts talking honestly and he says, right now I see in a mirror dimly. Then I will know face to face. Now I know only in part that I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. By the way, that's from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But he's going about this saying, right now, I, I'm doing the best I can. And right now, I think I understand what I need to know. But then, when I get to the kingdom of heaven, then, when I meet God, I will understand everything clearly. Now, I'm doing the best I can. And hopefully, we're all doing the best I can. We're not going to understand everything perfectly. But then, when we get to the kingdom of heaven, we will understand everything perfect. And then he goes on to, to say something that's so powerful. He says what matters most. That all that's left is what? Faith hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Okay, so now we're getting to my point of this whole entire message. So there are always people who think that they know everything, and they will go around judging people. There always have been, always will be. It will be. But then we have the message that we got picked up from Micah, because Sue's good at this, and then we also have the words of Jesus where we remember what matters most when we are being Christians. As Christians, what matters most is that everything that we do is out of faith and out of love. We're not going to do everything flawlessly. We're not going to be without mistakes. And when we make mistakes, be like that tax collector and go and say, God, I'm sorry, I messed up, please forgive me. We're not going to get everything right. But as long as we are trying to do everything that we do out of faith and out of love, then we will be following Christ. The reality is that it's not that difficult. I mean, we still have modern day Pharisees that are so legalistic and make everything sound co so complicated. 
It's really not that complicated. If we want to follow Jesus, then everything that we do should be out of faith and out of love. That means sometimes we have to cross over borders. Sometimes we have to do things that, that make us uncomfortable, which, you know, we all have to do things that make us uncomfortable. Uh, but we, what matters is we do everything out of faith and love. Now, I'm going to show you a video that you've probably already seen this week. But I loved it, and it actually made me cry happy tears. So I'm going to share it with you. It's a very, very brief video. It's only a minute long. You, if you, anybody else here watched, uh, what is it, like the Today Show? I think that's what I watch in the morning. Uh, if, anybody if anybody else watches this, then you've already seen this. But I want to show you this video, a brief video, because the girls in this video do what I think we're all supposed to do as Christians. Because everything we do as Christians is supposed to be out of what? Faith and love. Those are the things that matter. So watch this video, and if I make you cry, I'm sorry. Now that's really all that this video is. But in this video, if you didn't catch it, the gr one girl who is on the opposing team, she's the one wearing green, she's running and she hasn't a job and her a job starts to fall off. And did you all see this in the news this week? Probably most of you. Oh, I'm getting some no's. Okay, good. Uh, and then the opposing team. This is why this is so great. The opposing team notices that something's wrong. By the way, I'm guessing when the, they first see the girl go down, they probably think she's hurt. But then the others see, and what do they do? They make a circle around her because they understand that she wants privacy as she fixes her a job. These are girls on the opposing team, girls who themselves do not wear hijab so they don't practice the same faith, but they are girls on the opposing team who surround somebody to keep her safe, to keep her protected on the opposing team. That is what it means to follow Christ. That is what it means to do everything out of love. When you're somebody who's on an opposing team saying, I see you've got a problem right here, let me protect you. It reminds me of like when you have something terrible happen, as we've seen in the news, when something will happen and there's like a mosque that's bombed and then you get a whole entire team of like Jews and Christians lined up outside of the mosque protecting the people so that they can go inside and worship and, or the other way around. It's always these faith communities standing up and doing that. That is what it means to follow follow Christ. Everything we do should be done in faith and love. It doesn't matter if we're the same. It doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter about anything. If we do everything out of faith and love, then we'll be following Christ. The moment that we think we know everything and we start being all judgmental, which nobody here is ever going to do because, you know, we just aren't like that here, right? <laughs> the, the moment that we start doing all that, that's when we get misguided. That's when we act too much like the Pharisees. But when we act in faith and love, that's when we follow Christ. Let's join in a moment of prayer. Good and gracious God, you teach us what the world can't always teach us. You teach us to do everything out of love and to hold strong to our faith even when we don't know all the answers. God, we ask that you help us and guide us and lead us be our guide now and always so that we can be more like Christ. 
And we pray this in every prayer through Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Amen. Now, before we pray, I need to let you know that this Sunday is really the Sunday when we uh, can think about the Reformation, because the Reformation happened at year 1517. So if you need a Halloween costume, I have some of these extra. From when I made them for the 500th, I was really hoping I could still find them, and I still do. I have plenty. So if anybody needs a Halloween costume, I'm your gal. Uh, and by next Sunday, we are going to have uh, All Saints Sunday when we remember all of the saints from our church who have passed away in the, in the past year. And so we hope that anyone who's uh, lost a loved one, that they will also be here to, uh, to do that with us. As it's a powerful time when we light candles in remembrance of those who have passed away. But let's join in a moment of prayer. Good and gracious God, we thank you 